and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. My name is Amberly, and I'm so pleased to have you join me today. It's fall, y'all. <laughs> How many times have you heard that this week? Uh, a few. Pumpkin spice lattes, anyone? <laughs> the leaves will change and fall as we move into the dark half of the year now. Um, and there are so many fun activities to do this time of year. Uh, one that seems everyone enjoys is apple picking. Uh, here in the Mid-Atlantic, there are signs all over the place for picking apples and pumpkin patches. I'm sure that it's the same all over the country. On today's episode, I want to talk about the humble apple. Um, as I'm writing this episode, it's Mavon, and my house is filled with the scent of apple pie baking. I don't normally make apple pie because in all honesty, I can think of several different pies that I like better, but it seemed like the right one today. Apples are a pretty amazing fruit. They are steeped in myth and legend all over the world and throughout history. The apple tree itself was given by Gaia to Hera when she married Zeus. In Norse legend, the goddess Idun is the guardian of apples, which are fed to the gods and goddesses to keep them forever young. Wands made of apple wood are used to symbolize good health, happiness, wisdom, and eternal love. We've all heard the story about how Eve ate the apple from the tree of knowledge and ruined life for the rest of eternity. Um, one person you may think of when you think apples is Johnny Appleseed. He lives in myth, but he was also a real person. I want to talk a little about him because he was actually a really interesting character. He was born John Chapman in 1774. He was a pioneer nurseryman who introduced apple trees to large parts of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and present-day Ontario and West Virginia. He became a part of American legend because of his kindness and generosity. Some think that he was so popular because he brought alcohol in the form of cider to the frontier. Author and journalist Michael Pollan called him the American Dionysus. Johnny Appleseed, John Chapman, died in 1845. Uh, I think you can tell a lot about people from what people write about them after death. Uh, so here is his obituary in the Fort Wayne Sentinel. Deceased on the same day in this neighborhood at an advanced age, Mr. John Chapman, better known as Johnny Appleseed. The deceased was well known through this region by his eccentricity and the strange garb he usually wore. He followed the occupation of a nurseryman and has been a regular visitor here upwards of 10 years. He was a native of Pennsylvania, but his home, if home he had, for some years past was in the neighborhood of Cleveland, where he has relatives living. He is supposed to have, consider he is supposed to have considerable property yet denied himself almost the common necessities of life, not so much per perhaps for avarice as from his peculiar notions on religious subjects. He was a follower of Swedenborg and devoutly believed that the more he endured in this world, the less he would have to suffer and the greater would be his happiness hereafter. He submitted to every privation with cheerfulness and content, believing that in, in so doing, 
he was securing snug quarters hereafter. In most inclement weather, he might be seen barefooted and almost naked, except when he chanced to pick up articles of old clothing. Notwithstanding the privations and exposure he endured, he lived to an extreme old age, not less than 80 years at the time of his death, though no person would have judged from his appearance that he was 60. He always carried with him some works on the doctrines of Swedenborg, with which he was perfectly familiar, and would readily converse and argue on his tenets using much shrewdness and penetration. His death was quite sudden. He was seen on our streets a day or two previous. Johnny Appleseed's legacy lives on today in movies, museums, and folklore. If you're interested in learning uh, what the Swedenborg Doctrine is, I would absolutely suggest researching researching Emanuel Swedenborg. His story is, is really interesting. But now, let's get back to the apple. There are more than 7,000 different types of apples. They are the most common fruit worldwide. And because, they are, because of this, they are extremely easy to find and a very accessible, mundane, as well as ma- magical ally. Apples are loaded with vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. They are high in fiber and water, and water making them really filling without being calorie dense. They may also lower your risk of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. In folk medicine, they are used in healing wounds by placing a slice of apple on tender cuts, such as a split lip. The use of apple cider vinegar is also a popular remedy for a lot of things. Now let's head over to the metaphysical side of things. If you slice an apple horizontally, you'll find a five-pointed star right there in the center a pentagram to provide protection and connection to the elements. If you slice it vertically, however, you will see the very convincing similarity to the female genitalia. The apple apple is often seen as a symbol of sacred feminine. Because it is linked to love, fertility, and feminism, it is possible that this is why it is also associated with quote-unquote evil witches, such as the evil queen in Snow White. I mean, how dare someone be associated with fertility and feminism? Obviously, that makes them evil. (laughs) The apple has a whole slew of correspondences. Uh, Here are just a few. Uh, The goddesses are Aphrodite, Athena, Bob, Kaylee, Bure, Diana, Flora, Freya, Hera, Idun, Masha, Nemesis, Rhiannon, and Venus. The gods are Apollo, Dionysus, also known as Jack Black, <laughs> Eros, Lu, Mananan, Vertumnus, and Zeus. Magical creatures are elves and fairies. Animals are hedgehog and pig. The issues and intentions are action, the afterlife, attraction, beauty, binding, creativity, death, divination, dream work, enchantment, fertility, goodness, happiness, innocence, knowledge, learning, longevity, love magic, the other world or underworld, peace, power, relationships, sex, shamanic work, spirits, wealth, wisdom, and youth. 
For a full list of correspondences, check out Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondences by Sandra Kynes. I know I bring up that book a lot, but it's just so super useful. Um, so here are some uses for apples in witchcraft. Give an apple with intention to someone that you love. Cook with apples in your kitchen witch witchery. Apple dumplings, anyone? Uh, I, I'd never thought of this, but this is really a great idea. Add apple seeds to charm bags and spell jars so I might start saving my apple seeds. Um, carve sigils into apples. Use shriveled apples as the head for a poppet or a spirit doll. Use them in sim simmer pots. You don't have to use the whole apple. You could use just the peels and the core when you make an apple pie. Um, add dried apples to magical tea blends. Uh, make your own intentional apple cider vinegar. Vinegar, And it's actually pretty easy to find uh, recipes for apple cider vinegar on the internet. Um, and I believe also um, the Hearth Witches Compendium by Anne Franklin, or maybe Anna Franklin, has a recipe for it. And I believe so does Kitchen Witchery, maybe, by Laurel Woodward. Um, but it's very easy to find them online. Um, you can create fire cider uh, for health and magic. And around this time last year, I believe, I shared an amazing chutney recipe by Gail Busey from her uh, Kitchen Magic book, which was just, I think it's called The Enchanted Kitchen. Such a great book. One of my favorite kitchen uh, magic books ever. Um, it's so delicious and a great way to use apples and kitchen witchery. Now, finally, for today, I am combining the spell and card pull because I pulled the apple card from Maya Toll's Illustrated Herbiary deck. Um, it, this is absolutely one of my favorite decks and was my first Oracle deck. Um, if you buy the box set, it comes with a really amazing book that gives you an abundance of information as well as uh, spell or ritual. So the apple card has three visions of the apple. One is the whole red apple. The second is it split horizontally so that you see the five-pointed star. And the other is split vertically so you see the vision of the female genitalia. There is also uh, a beautiful apple tree branches with blossoms that actually turn into a snake. Um, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous card. All of Maya Toll's artwork is beautiful. So, uh, Forbidden Fruit, the apple. The apple has been given grief since in the beginning, when she learned that feeding people and teaching them to know themselves can be a dangerous thing. She became associated with snakes, shame, and fig leaves, and it's been all dance lessons, curtsies, and domestication from there. Apple is the witch of the wild wood forced to clean up and come in for tea. But a skirt and pumps can't hide her knowledge of the circling stars and cycling seasons. The deep loam of the earth and the warm weep of summer rain. We may think that we've tamed wild apple and brought her to heal. But even quasi-domesticated, she still gifts us with the sweetness of understanding ourselves. Apple asks, what have you forbidden yourself? The ritual. 
step into sensation. What is self? We tend to define it narrowly as our thoughts, our relationships, or our jobs. But Apple knows that getting to know ourselves is a multi-dimensional process. The self begins in our physical body and everything it can feel, taste, see, hear, and smell. For this ritual, Apple asks us to focus on sensation. Start with an apple or any fruit or vegetable you can eat raw. Use your senses to investigate its taste, its scent, the feel, the sound made when the skin tears open. But here's the trick. Instead of noting your observations about the apple, note your observations about yourself observing your interactions with the apple. When you hold the apple, how and where do you feel it? Does your body focus on the sensation of the skin on your fingertips, tips, or on the weight of the apple in your hand? When you bite into the apple, where specifically on your tongue do you taste its flesh? Does the taste disappear when you swallow? Does your body feel the apple passing down your throat and into your stomach? When you observe how your physical being interacts with the world, even in something as routine as eating an apple, you can begin to better understand and accept your whole self. Thank you, Roxanne. Oh, I know. And now for the reflection, hidden desires. We try to tame things that scare us. Self-knowledge is no different. We hide our deep vision, our intuition, our needs and desires under a layer of enculturation, refusing to acknowledge what we consider inappropriate or grandiose. These hidden knowings and longings are snakes in the garden, the susurrus of knowledge trying to wake us up. Do you stifle your body when it wants to move in certain ways? Do you choke back your voice when it wants to chant or sing? Do you eat what you're supposed to instead of what your body craves? Do you listen to the quiet voice of your intuition? Do you have thoughts that feel like snakes in the garden, pointing you toward embarrassing or dark truths? If you're having trouble finding what's hidden, start by recalling the last time you felt ashamed, insecure, or out of integrity with yourself. Knowledge is a knife that cuts both ways. It can be self-conscious and used to beat yourself into submission. Or it can be self-aware, used to rejoice in the incredible creation that you are. How can you both know and love yourself? Such, I just love Maya Toll. Such an amazing author, writer, artist, really fantastic uh, creator in general. Now, that's all we have for today. So I hope you had a wonderful Mabon or um, autumnal equinox. And um, we'll see you next time. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on my website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email me at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. I also have a a Patreon at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you find your podcasts.